Today I'm going to start with the bad news and then I'm going to talk about the good news, all right? Uh, as I said, we're continuing our ser- uh, sermon series on the family circle and we're going to talk about loving your family. But this seems much easier than done because according to McCrindle Research, a well-known researcher in Australia, one in three families end in divorce. One in three families end in divorce. The reality is that uh, children as well as mums and dads are growing up in broken homes. Houses and assets are sold off and divided in divorce courts. Families are hurting. To add to these uh, sad statistics, throughout Australia, a number of kids suffer abuse from the very people who ought to protect them. Other families struggle with finances or job security. Electricity bills continue to rise and the cost of housing still seems to be out of reach for many homeowner buyers, especially new buyers. And not surprisingly, according to the Bureau of Statistics, one of the main reasons working couples and lone parents feel rushed or pressured for time is we're trying to work out a balance between work and family. Does that sound familiar to you? Trying to work out a balance between work and family? Needless to say, this can stress us out and affect our families. Now, there are a lot of self-help books, TV shows, even so-called gurus to try and help our families with these struggles, except their suggestions don't always work. But fortunately, here comes the good news today. Fortunately, there is one who can help us love our family well and heal the fractured relationships in our homes, and that is God, our Creator. Why God? Well, He's the one that made families in the first place, so I think He kind of gets them. (laughs) He designed them, so I think He can give us some good advice on them. He gives us the blueprint of how to love our families well, and that blueprint is in the Bible, God's manual for life, basic instruction before leaving earth. So today we're going to look at a family psalm from the Bible that teaches us how to love our families well. It's a psalm inspired by God that was written by King David or Solomon, the wisest man other than Jesus. So how do you love your family? Well, if you want to love your family well, it means you will allow God to build your home. Allow God to build your home. You see, in the first couple of verses of Psalm 120 to 7, we discover that if we want to build a truly strong home and family, we must trust and rely on God for His help, strength, and favor. We must trust and rely on God for His help, His strength, and His favor. And that makes complete sense because if you want to build a strong home, the first thing you do is consult the architect and builder, right? You want to build a home? Do you go to the guy at 7-Eleven and say, hey, mate, do you reckon you could build me a home? And he go, uh, got any petrol with that, mate? <laughs> we go to the builder and architect, don't we? Well, the Bible says God is the ultimate architect and builder of our homes After all, God is the creator of our family, and he's also the one that blesses and gives value to the physical homes we build too. We discover all this when we read, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, For he gives to his beloved sleep. Now, first of all, in our passage, Solomon, or David, speaks about building houses for our families and our efforts to keep our city secure. 
And that's the great Australian dream, isn't it? To build your own home and make sure it's safe and secure. And he says, all these efforts are done in vain without the Lord's help. Why? Because such endeavors won't be blessed by God. And without God's blessing, they're empty enterprises we take on. See, in reality, only what is from God is truly strong. And only if the Lord is with us are we truly safe. You see, buildings are built and demolished, aren't they? They're built, they come and go. But the Lord is the one who truly blesses, strengthens, and instills value in the homes we build. Ultimately, He makes our house a blessed home. A house is just a house. God ultimately blesses it and makes it a home. Likewise, unless the Lord keeps the city and the home safe and secure, even our best watchmen watch in vain. So Solomon tells us, if the Lord is not in our efforts to build and secure our homes in our city, then our hard, restless work is in vain. All we do is labor anxiously for what doesn't last, unless we trust in the Lord and find favor in Him and rest from our worries. Now, sure, we should work diligently and provide a home and security for our families. Of course, we should do that. But we don't have to worry about this stuff if our trust is in our Heavenly Father because He will provide for our needs. So let's not put our trust in our fleeting jobs, our wealth, and our homes because these things can go in a moment, can't they? I mean, you just look at the uh, earthquakes they've had in Christchurch over the years. Their homes are certainly not secure. And we know that our wealth and our jobs are not always secure. And that can create anxiety. In fact, the number one cause that causes family anxiety is finances. These things don't last, do they? But when we rely and trust in our God to provide for our needs, including our home and security, then we can be free from worry and anxiety. Actually, the beauty of God is that you can live a, a minimally, uh, somewhat of a stress-free life <laughs> because we know the big guy upstairs is taking care of our needs. We don't do it by ourselves. Jesus puts it like this. But seek first His, that's God's kingdom, and His righteousness, live a right life, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's true, isn't it? In other words, let's put God first and trust Him to provide for our practical needs rather than putting our trust in the things He gives us. This will set us free from worry and help us to put our faith in the one who can truly bless our homelies, families and home. You know, I have some very good friends of mine who are at Bible college. Oh, I was at Bible college with them. And they were struggling very much financially and they didn't know where the next check, next check was going to come from. And they needed to provide for their family. And it wasn't that they weren't being diligent to try and do so. And when they were in dire need, someone just randomly from who knows where left a check for them, a substantial check that paid just the right amount for all their needs. My experience as a Christian is again and again God has done this for me where someone randomly given money just the right amount when I needed it. It's happened enough and I know enough people's stories that this is no coincidence. God provides for his people. But wait, there's more. Not steak knives, but when Solomon talks about building a house here, he's not just talking about building a physical building. So house equals dwelling. That's one way he talks about it. He's also talking about building our actual families. House also equals family. Now, not a Game of Thrones kind of person, but you have different houses, right? Different families, different dynasties. Well, in the Bible, that was true too. 
This is obvious when Solomon goes on to speak about building a house for a family through children in verses 3 to 5. We see the same dual meaning of house through the Old Testament too, in 2 Samuel in particular, where in response to David's desire to build the Lord a house, a temple, the Lord promises to build David a house, meaning a family dynasty. Now with that in mind, Solomon is also saying here, unless the Lord builds your family, you're heading for trouble. You see, lots of people today are trying to build their family without God, and the result is frustration, failure, and disaster, as the statistics actually say. When you try to build a home without God, you may have all the money and all the things that money can buy, but you may not have those things that money can't buy, which is joy, peace, contentment, satisfaction, relationship, mercy, forgiveness. God is the only one who can truly satisfy these deepest needs in our family and in our lives. Because naturally, when people hurt and upset us, and that happens in families, our natural response is to be defensive and fight back, isn't it? Now, it's certainly there is a place for justice, but when we follow God's ways, then we can offer forgiveness in place of anger and mercy in place of injustice. You see, God's principles help families stay together and grow. You see, the Bible says Jesus is the real joy giver. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the God of all comfort. He's the living water and the bread of life. He is everything. That's why if you and I want to build a strong family, it's essential that we trust in and honor the Lord, who is the ultimate builder of our lives and families. But you may ask, how do I honor God? Deuteronomy tells us plainly, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your strength. In other words, just like Jesus said earlier, to honour God, you must wholeheartedly put God first in your life. Well, Proverbs 3 puts it like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. So God says, if you trust and follow me in every area of your life, then I will take care of the rest. And that's certainly been my experience. So if you want God to build your home, put him first in your life. Trust, rely upon, honour and seek God and his kingdom first. That's how you build a strong foundation for your family home. Now, where we live in Kusula, uh, they're building a whole bunch of townhouses there. And it is astonishing how quick those guys can build a house, man. They've laid the foundations. So how do we build on top of a good foundation? Well, if you're going to love your family better, if you're going to build the right framework, you need to recognize your children are a gift from God. They are a gift from God. Now, this knowledge is so crucial to loving our children because sadly, so often in the business of a life and work, and it can be stressful, we see our children more like a burden than a blessing. Ever felt like that? We're so stressed and so busy. Children can feel like a burden, not a blessing. Well, this view affects how we speak to our children, how we treat them, even how much time we give to them. And you see a heap of parents running around with their heads cut off, you know, like chooks, screaming and yelling at their kids because they're so stressed. We all do it sometimes. But this is a tragedy that can be averted. 
We can treat our children as a blessing to us, not as a curse, when we understand that they're a gift and a heritage from the Lord. The psalmist puts it like this. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb are reward. And Auntie recognized that today as well. We don't take it for granted. They are a blessing. Now, what sort of heritage are our kids? Well, they're our descendants who carry on our name, our family, and most importantly, our faith. In essence, children are our personal investment in the future. And when we see Uh, When we as parents take our role seriously of putting God first and setting a godly example of faith in our households, then we pass on our Christian heritage to our children and to the next generation. And I can think of few greater joys than seeing our children and grandchildren becoming the next generation of believers. And that is so true. One of the longings of my heart, and I think my children do love Jesus, is that they would follow him all their lives. It's such a joy when our children follow the Lord. So as parents, grandparents, uncles, aunties, close family friends, let's set an example of faith to our children. Living Christ-like lives, loving our children. Investing in our own personal walk with the Lord, which is so essential. And there's too, making this a priority, reading the scriptures with our kids when they're young. My son at the moment, I don't know why, but he's so excited about the story of Cain and Abel. I think he just likes... I don't know, it's, I don't like it, but he, I think he likes, wow, anyway, it's a story of where someone kills someone and he finds it exciting. And I don't know, I'm like, man. And he's like, can we recane, what do we have to recane and Abel again? Like, I don't know how healthy this is, but anyway, he likes the story. We'll pray for that. Uh, <laughs> reading the kids the scripture, praying with them, guiding and forgiving them, being patient and kind to them, not abusing them with our words or other ways, setting them an example to follow and relying on the Lord to help us to do this. And, and we need to rely on the Lord because sometimes it's hard, isn't it? We get frustrated, we get tired. And let me say this. If this seems all too hard for you today, you think, oh man, I, I hear you, but oh, this seems too hard for me, then maybe, just maybe, you need to slow down a little and cut things out of your life so you can spend quality time with your children and the Lord. This is time you don't get back. This is time you don't get back. Maybe you need to get some Christian counseling or speak to a pastor to help you to be a better parent or maybe better, a better couple. Whatever you need to do, do it. Because your children are the most important investment you will ever make. Did you hear that? Your children are the most important investment you will ever make. But the children we have are not just a heritage, they're a reward. As the psalmist says, the fruit of the womb is his reward. In a world that treats pregnancy like a convenience or very sadly like an inconvenience, God's word insists that children are reward from the Lord. They're a reward from the Lord. As the scriptures make clear, God is the one who opens or closes the womb. And when he opens the womb, God creates a beautiful life. David describes a child inside a mother's womb like this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Isn't that a beautiful picture? If you've ever seen video of of a fetus developing in a mother's stomach, 
It's a miracle. You know that it, uh, in, in the, the stage of development where a child's eyes are being formed and, and, and made to work, there's a million fiber optics, for want of a better word, and another million fiber optics that come together and one by one all connect so that we can see. Isn't that remarkable? <laughs> That's a miracle. I'd like to see Telstra try and put a million fiber optics or... God bless them. <laughs> we will never have NBN. <laughs> Not that we want it necessarily anyway. See, children are a gift from God. They're a miracle. It's not something that is our right. Rather, they are a gift. Not our achievement, but a miraculous gift. And what a wonderful gift Ava is to Ianthe and Chris today. What a blessing she is to you. So when we recognize that our children are a heritage and a reward from the Lord, our natural response should be to thank and honor God and to love our kids better because they're a gift, not a burden. They're a gift from Him. Now before we move on, let me say this most tenderly. If you've suffered from miscarriages or you can't have children, God sees your need, He hears your pain, and He loves you. He loves you. And should you choose to, he often graciously provides other avenues for you to have kids, sometimes with a new and healthy pregnancy, other times through fostering or adoption, which is just so wonderful for kids who really need that kind of love, I tell you. I think it takes a special type of person to do that, actually. Sometimes by becoming a godparent or an active uncle or auntie, or sometimes through other means. Now, I've been on a journey with one of my closest friends, my best friend, and they're unable to have kids. And uh, after unsuccessfully trying themselves, they tried other means again and were painfully unsuccessful. They then explored the idea of adoption again. And I'm so pleased to say they're in the final stages of adopting a little child into their tiny little family. It's a beautiful thing. Now, it's been a long and painful process for them, but I've seen so much good come out of their pain. From currently seeking to provide a home to help expecting mums who want to keep their children, who don't want to abort but want to keep their kids. And if it wasn't for the pain they've been through, they never would have offered their granny flat to these women to provide a house and a home for them. God brings beauty out of pain. Did you know that? And one of the other things I love is the beautiful way they're adopting a child points to the way God adopts each one of us into his family and calls us his own beloved children when we trust in him. We're all God's adopted, adopted kids. And he's given us the full rights of sons and daughters. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I have a lot of time for people who adopt kids, I tell you. Because it shows God's heart to call them his own, to call us his own. Now, I spoke to my friend today. I obviously want to just double check he was okay for me to share about this. And he said, it's okay. And he wanted me to say this. He wanted me to say that he and his wife in all of this have learned to trust in God's goodness in his, and in his sovereignty, believing he could do a miracle, but trusting his will even if God didn't give them a child. They wanted us to know they still trust in God's goodness because he is good.
So whether you're a parent or a foster parent or a family member or whatever other role you may play, and it could be a very diverse role, you must recognize children are a gift from God and we all have the privilege and responsibility to love these kids and set them an example of living for Jesus. After all, as the old African proverb says, it's a whole village or it takes a whole village to raise a child. And that's true, isn't it? I think I'd go stir crazy if my parents didn't help sometimes. <laughs> Lastly then, to build on this foundation and framework, if you want your house to last, the final great way to love your family is to prepare your children to reach their potential. To prepare your children to reach their potential. See, children become, uh, can become both our greatest helpers and our greatest joy as they reach their potential. But if they're going to reach their potential, we must teach and guide them when they're young, right? The psalmist puts it like this. Children, are born, children born to a young man or a young woman are arrows in their hands. Uh, sorry, I'm just getting lost in myself. I'm getting excited. Children are born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates or in the court. What is he talking about? Does, does he just love archery so he wants to share about that in the Psalms? I mean, David was a good archer. No, what he's saying is children are our greatest help and our greatest potential. When it comes to help, in ancient Israel, sons provided protection for their parents. The children helped to defend their parents against their enemies. The implication here is that there is a strong tie between parents and their children and they work together well and they look after each other. And you still see, still see this in many cultures today. Children also helped their parents cultivate their fields and worked in their homes. Not to mention children often carried on their father's trade when they grew old. The point is this, our children can be our greatest help in our homes, in our lives and in our legacies. In our legacies. But kids are also our greatest potential. Should our children not want to follow in our footsteps but take another path, if we commit ourselves to pointing them in the right direction when they're young, leading them in God's ways, instilling good character in them, then when they're shot forth into life, they'll head in the right direction and perhaps even achieve greater things than us. Sometimes our children achieve remarkable things, especially when they follow the Lord. Children are our greatest potential. Now, we're going to finish in a moment, but finally, our children can also be a source of great joy in our lives. I've got three kids, uh, one who's just about to turn one, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And when my little one-year-old, Michelle, looks up to me with those gorgeous little eyes and that little smile, she looks like, with the cutest smile, oh my goodness, crazy, crazy. I can't help but have joy. It just wells up within me. And I'm sure Auntie and Chris know what I'm talking about. And other parents here, when our little kids look up at you with that, just that sparkle in their eyes and, you know, that kind of I love you, Dad, or Mom smile, you're just like, oh, you can't bottle that, you know. It's a beautiful thing. And that's what the Scriptures tell us. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now, this, of course, implies that when our kids grow up, they, they grow to respect us and they've embraced our faith in the Lord. Or put another way, they've grown in their potential. But assuming this, they can bring us great happiness. Great happiness. Have a listen to how Proverbs 23 speaks about it. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. 
Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Children and grandchildren, even if you're an uncle and auntie, they can enrich our lives when the kids grow older, as they reach their potential. So let's be diligent in the investment we make in our kids. Because what we instill in them now is what will shape them in the future. Did you hear that? What we instill in them now is what will shape them in the future. So as we close off, how do you love your family? Well, it's actually not about buying them more stuff and giving them everything they need. That tends to make little brats. (laughs) How do you love your family? God's Word tells us you love your family by allowing God to build your home, putting Him first in your home and family, trusting Him to provide for your needs so you're not stressed all the time. You love your family well when you recognize your children are a gift from the Lord, a heritage and a reward from Him. And you love your family well when you prepare your children to reach their potential because if you do, they can become your greatest helpers and your greatest joy. Let's pray and ask God to help us with this. Lord, we thank you so much for children, for families. And even if we ourselves don't have children or maybe are unable to have kids, we thank you for the children in our lives in our church families, in our immediate or extended families. Lord, we thank you for the gift of family. And Lord, we pray in whatever role we have that you would help us to contribute to the blessing that you give on family, that Lord, we might be a positive influence, that we might love our kids, our grandkids, our nephews and nieces well, that we might model for them what it looks like to follow Jesus, to be people of love, compassion, forgiveness and mercy in a world that is often so unforgiving and so ungracious. Lord, we pray our homes would be a refuge for our children, that they can be shot forth from and be a a wonderful light to the world. Help us, Lord, in this, Lord. We know it's challenging. We know at times we get stressed and frustrated. Some of us come from homes, Lord, that are not healthy. But help us, Lord, to set a good model in how we live in our families. Help us, Lord, to be good parents, good family members. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.